This is Views from the Watershed. I'm Lizzie Mogul, your tour guide. In the late 1980s to the early 1990s, the city tried to impose new, strict regulations on farmers to improve water quality, which basically meant keeping cow poop and other agricultural runoff out of the water supply. However, one thing the city wanted farmers to do was to create large land buffers around every bit of water on their land, which would have carved away farmland and pasture land and rendered farms unusable. This was obviously unacceptable. So farmers organized and negotiated with the city in a separate process to the negotiations with the watershed towns. What came out of it was something called the Whole Farm Plan. The city paid farmers to modernize, and it created a watershed agricultural council to manage things. Let's hear from one longtime dairy farmer in Delhi, New York, about how this went down. Yeah, you get up 5, 5.30, milk your cows, feed them, and then you come back for breakfast, then you go back out and do chores, clean the stables, bed manure. Four o'clock in the afternoon, you start feeding cows again and milk at 5 and done by 7.30, 8. So it's a very long day. Seven days a week. Farming is tough. There's no two ways about it. But it's what we do. This is how we make our living. My name is Fred Hunnicky. I was chairman of the Watershed Agricultural Council for 12 years. I worked on farms since I was 14 years old. My wife and I decided that we wanted to do this ourselves. We had a dairy that came up for sale, and we bought it, and we moved here in 1968. It was just a family operation. We milked cows for 35 years before I retired, and now we rent the farm to our neighbor. We're able to enjoy the farm now. Dairy farming was pretty dominant here in the Catskills, and especially right in the 1930s. There was approximately 3,500 dairy farms here. Gradually, that number has been declining. Unfortunately, right now, we're down to about 50 dairies. The community activity revolved around the dairy industry. Everybody in church was a dairy farmer. Everybody at the schools was dairy farming. But the industry was trying to get bigger. Here in the Catskills, we are limited by our geography. We don't have any major cities. We don't have airports. We don't have a railroad. We don't have the interstate highway system. The industry kind of drifted down to the southwest and the far west because of economy of scale. And so it creates a vacuum What started to fill that vacuum was the beef industry. We're getting more vegetable farmers and more small animal farmers. It becomes a food shed, and that's important for the city. In 1986, Congress passed the Safe Drinking Water Act. In 1989, they passed the surface water treatment rule. Any municipality with a surface water system was going to have to build a filtration plant. The city knew that the cost of that filtration plant was between five and seven billion dollars to build. Seven billion dollars is just about the budget of New York City in 1990, and about three or four hundred million dollars a year to operate. So 
They decided that they would just draw up this set of regulations. I joked sometimes it was drawn up by people in a windowless room that had no idea what the real world was like. They didn't want you farming anywhere near 500 to 1,000 feet from the edge of a brook or a stream. Well, if you look at the geography of the Catskills, every single valley has a watercourse. So any farm within that valley can't use any of their land within 500 or 1,000 feet of that stream. That takes the whole farm. We knew that when we started to read those regulations that we were in trouble. And I thought, this is going to put us out of business. There's no way that we can operate a farm and adhere to these regulations. In the pastures, they wanted us to build berms to keep any runoff from the pastures to go into the streams. They wanted us to build dikes, all kinds of different fencing. It was ludicrous, and the farmers just couldn't do that. It was impossible. They started to hold meetings about what these regulations were going to be. The meetings were chaotic. People were furious. The state police came to all the meetings because people were talking about, you know, taking the guns off the wall. They had T-shirts and bumper stickers, and they had a T-shirt with a cow with a diaper on it and all that political nonsense, a lot of animosity. The reason that it was consensus was because there was still a memory of the original takings from when they built the reservoirs. All of a sudden, somebody comes knocking on the door and they say, you know, we're going to build a reservoir up through this valley and uh, we're going to condemn your property and here's, here's what we're going to pay you and you're going to have to move by August 1st, Okay. I mean, I'd be pretty darn upset about that. And then they bulldozed all the buildings down, burned them, burned the churches, dug up the graveyards. I mean, think about that. So all of a sudden, here comes the city again. It was outrageous. But the agricultural community knew that if we were going to survive, we were going to have to come up with a solution. They had started to form the task force. I give those guys a lot of credit. They met for a solid year. And what came out of that task force was the guiding document for the whole farm plan program. The three basic tenets of the program were that it would be fully funded by the city of New York, would be locally controlled, and be voluntary. The voluntary portion of that took the most time to negotiate, simply because the environmental community never thought that would work. They said, you're going to have to get 85% of the farmers to sign up for the program. We started to have kitchen meetings. We had one here, right in that dining room table. We got 85%. And it really wasn't hard to do that. And uh, the program just grew. We looked at this program as beneficial to our farms. There were projects that we wanted to do that I couldn't afford to do. It was going to be a benefit, not only to the economics of my farm, it's going to be better for my cattle, it's going to be better for water quality. Farmers are environmentalists, whether you want to believe it or not. But a lot of times the economics of farming won't allow them to be the environmentalists that they want to be. And this farm, we put a concrete barnyard with a fence around it. That used to be a big muddy mess. They run off from the barnyard, it goes into a drainage field. We redid our laneways where the cows go out of the barn and go to the pasture. 
so that the water wouldn't run into the brook. There is a waterer in each paddock so that the cows drank their water up at the pasture and didn't come down and stand in a brook to drink. Everything was about keeping that water coming through the brook clean, all of those projects, and uh, that was all free. And all we had to do was maintain it. The city shovels millions and millions of dollars in here. Most of the money that goes into this program come from ratepayers. You know, the city became the gorilla in the room, but the gorilla showed up with bags of money and was willing to negotiate with us through the task force and still negotiate whenever anything comes up. I can just see some people in New York City saying, are you joking with me? You're going to take millions of dollars and give it to a bunch of farmers upstate? But we took it very seriously. We treat this money as if it was our own. And uh, we don't squander it. When you sign up for the program, there's a planner and an engineer, and they look at your farm. And they determine what projects need to be done for water quality. Everything that we do had to be based on science. The farmer's part of the planning team. It's mainly livestock farms because that's where your manure is, that's where your pathogens are. With vegetable farms, you do have pesticides and runoff from fields because they do use composted cow manure. So there still has to be a whole farm plan there. This has been an experience. Coming up with a program to benefit thousands of people within a 2,000 square mile radius. We didn't plan it, but we became a model for watershed protection nationally. I'm pretty proud of this whole thing. I really am. Thanks for listening to another episode of Views from the Watershed. Learn more about this program at walkingthewatershed.com slash podcast tour.